0: Dave Max, Cork History Matters, brought to you by Red FM.
1: Gabriel a UCC historian. Thomas Curtin was born in Mourne Abbey on the 20th of March 1884. Educated in the North Mann in the city, he lived on Thomas Davis Street in Blackpool. He became the first Sinn Féin Lord Mayor of Cork City. And on this day, 100 years ago, he was assassinated in his bed by the RIC. Who was Thomas McCurtain, as he later became. And where was Cork at, at that particular point in its history?
0: Uh, well, it's a, it's a big question, so I'll maybe just break it down into some of the, the component parts. Uh, he was a Mornabi man, and I think it's important to, to stress. While he's very much cherished by the city as, as its first Republican Lord Mayor, he was a county man and spent the first uh, 11 years or so of his life in the uh, company of... His large family, 12 children uh, in Mooran Abbey, uh, a very bright boy. Uh, This was, I think, the key to his his subsequent career. He was fortunate enough to be able to to progress to the North Mon. uh, But this meant leaving home while still a, a young teenager and going to Blackpool. Uh, with whom uh, I suppose his, his name has forever been since been associated, uh, and moving into a house with his sister Mary and her husband, uh, during which time he attended the the North Mon. Uh, I suppose in the North Mon it was fundamental in shaping his his outlook, uh, in particular his sense of Irish nationalism. Uh, a Christian brother school, um, sort of characteristically, famously sort of was 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 very emphatic in terms of its strong emphasis upon Irish identity and, and cultural separatism uh, and in particular his love of the Irish language which was again one of the defining features of his of his personal and political persona um, so he also there befriended Terence McSweeney uh, who was there was a few years age difference between the two men but they broadly speaking shared pretty much identical uh, identical outlooks and, and beliefs so the two of them came together quite early on uh, he married, uh, he, so he joins the, the Gaelic League and while still a teenager becomes not just a teacher in the Gaelic League uh, but the uh, organiser for Munster which meant he travelled around uh, the city, the county uh, and beyond and was became acquainted with the general tenor of, of the, the feelings of the time um, and certainly the Gaelic League was, was absolutely crucial in this I mean we, we nowadays tend to supposed to forget because of the, the strong emphasis upon Irish through the state. But at that point, the state was very hostile uh, to Irish. It had been an incredibly tough battle to get the state to even recognise the existence of the Irish language, for example, through the school. So up until very recently, before uh, his own schooling, uh, even in Gwaeltacht areas, uh, the, the children had to speak English. Uh, that had slightly changed through the pressure of the Gaelic League and, and also in things like the pressuring for for the U- Irish as a requirement for matriculation in the national university so this, the pendulum was swinging as it were at least we you know now temporarily in, in the direction of uh, the Irish language movement and the broader cultural reawakening that, that was happening at the same time. This encompasses not just the Gaelic League but obviously famously the, the gaa uh, Irish clothing. Uh, Irish dance, traditional music, so it was—it was a very vibrant time for somebody who was into that scene, as it were. Uh, there were no shortages uh, of openings.
1: Was this something that would have been uh, common within his family? Was this a breakaway? Uh,
0: that's a—it's a good point. Uh, there was an interest in his family. Uh Abbey at that point was almost exclusively uh, English-speaking. Uh, but there was i mean the interest in in the revival was was very widespread uh, in mor abbey and and also interestingly in in the city itself uh there were problems with the revival project, not least of which are economic i mean the the main driving force towards the acquisition of english was was emigration uh that you were either destined to go to England. The, the greatest empire the world had ever known, uh, voracious appetite for service in its empire, its English-speaking empire in Australia, New Zealand, or, or elsewhere. Or you went west and you went to that other great English-speaking enterprise, the United States of America. Uh, so for... for economic reasons, both whichever way you went, whether you went east or west, uh, Ireland was uniquely disadvantaged, I suppose, in one sense, uh, from a cultural point of view, in terms of its, its location between these two great forces. Um, but, of course, the, the, this also encompasses all the other uh, aspects. Uh, interestingly, he, although we have no record of him di- being directly involved in the GAA, uh, He was, I mean, almost one of the last official duties that he performs before his death uh, is that he attends a GAA match. Uh, He was also, uh, what I didn't know, I have to admit, until a few weeks back, was president of the Glen Boxing Club at the time of its foundation. And of course, it's the Glen Boxing Club that gives birth to the the Glen Rovers Hurling Club. So in that sense, uh, his presidency of, of the Boxing Club helped bring in one of the great hurling clubs of the country uh, into existence. Uh, so it, it, it's a very vibrant time. Uh, you tend to find many of the same people involved in many of the, the same groups. Uh, and subsequently, this goes on, of course, into his, his political activities. It's not just on the cultural front. Of the, the idea of, of cultural distinction gave, for, gave birth to the question of to what extent this required political separation. Mm. Uh, so you have a number of political groups. Probably the most famous political group at the time would have been Sinn Féin. Uh, which is founded by Arthur Griffith as as a political separatist group. Originally, it actually accepts the idea of monarchy. So the island would go towards the Aust- uh, the Austro-Hungarian model where you'd have one monarch, but two, in effect, separate states, separate countries. Uh, of course, there were many people who, who weren't happy with the monarchy as a symbol at that time. But the main emphasis in, in Sinn Féin at that time was the idea of organic growth from below, that, that you create your state, uh, as it were, through your own actions, re- irrespective of what the British government was doing, so that when the time came to, to pluck the apple from the tree and that you could strike for full independence and separation, you, your state would already be uh, in being. And this was certainly something which uh, was, was very much along the lines of Tomás McCurtain's thinking. Um, one of the, the main emphasis upon Griffiths is, is the idea of economic self-sufficiency, that, this, that the Irish people would engage in a, a policy of Irish Ireland buying, uh, but also consciously developing your own manufacturing industry and other, other types of industry. Um, and certainly Thomas McCurtain practised what he preached in this area as in so many other areas where he he founds factories uh, and, and employs large numbers of particularly local women uh, who are involved in these factories. So, uh, And then, of course, he also becomes involved in some of the more advanced physical force nationalist uh, organisations, perhaps most famously, the, the Irish Republican brotherhood which which he joins so uh, w- within the irish volunteers no this is this is before the irish volunteers the irish yeah volunteers. the irish volunteers are founded some years later obvious albeit- largely under the, the sponsorship of the, the IRB. The IRB was certainly pushing for the creation of this type of military force and, and the Ulster crisis of 1912 to 1914 and the, and the formation of the Ulster Volunteer Force. So the provided.
1: IRB is, is earlier in that period. Yes, is this yeah. before Fianna Aron, which he, he joined in 1911? He, he, was,
0: he was actively involved in the creation. He, he doesn't just join. I mean, he's, he's one of the, the moving forces towards the creation uh, of Fianna Aron, which was, in effect, the, the Republican Boy Scouts, a movement: a, a conscious repudiation of the Baden Powell type of, of of scouting philosophy. So, arguably, you could suggest
1: he's radically political. Oh, he is.
0: Com- there's no there's no doubt about it. He's radical, but he's radical culturally. Uh, he's radical economically. I mean, in an era of laissez-faire and and the idea that you had to, in effect, accept what the market decided, he he said no. That we can we can mould our own futures economically uh, through conscious collective action. So, he I mean, he's a radical. Um, It doesn't mean that he's intransigent. I mean, he's he's capable of hearing what other people are are thinking and and certainly he's capable of adjusting what he does to the realities on the ground. But he he is an idealist and and he he has not just a sense of the direction which he'd like things to go, uh, both locally and nationally, but a plan of how to get there. And uh, where does he sit
1: in the spirit of the time prior to 1916? I mean, Cork, arguably quite an Anglo
0: city. Well, it, I mean, it had strong ties to uh, the United Kingdom and it had strong ties to empire. Uh, I mean, famously, a uh, lot of the trading groups, uh, the, the the produce that's ever uh, exported from. Uh, Uh, The port of Cork goes not just to Britain, but to to all parts of the empire, and indeed beyond. Uh, So it's an outward-looking city, and and always had been. And Cove's a very important British uh, Uh, army uh, port,
1: as is Bear Island. Well,
0: I mean, during the First World War in particular, of course, remember that between 1914 and 18, when the Germans, even though the U-boat campaign isn't sustained for the entire duration of the war, but the sinking of the Lusitania and some earlier shipping losses show just how important Irish ports were to, to the British Navy and, and Cove was the jewel in the crown from that point of view.
1: So so with his radical outlook uh, how does that sit with the society in which he is living and operating?
0: To a certain extent he, he's, I wouldn't say he's out of kilter culturally speaking I think that he is is on the leading edge but he's, he's leading the movement in the direction in which it's going. Um, physical force nationalism wasn't strong, uh, the Republican movement wasn't strong anywhere in the country uh, really prior to 1912, um, famously one uh, prominent Republican said that you could have fitted all the the active members of the IRB into a concert hall, a pretty small concert hall, uh, prior to that point. Uh, uh, and, w- and was it the Ulster Covenant that sparked it, it all? It, 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 to that now, again, the fact that you'd had this cultural revival movement for pretty well 30 years at this point. So there was a, a fear growing up north
1: of something's going on. Yep, yep. And, uh, and, and,
0: and And the fact that you have this Proposal that Ireland be given some limited form of self government, which the unionists across the country, including those in Cork, of course, uh, oppose. But their their epicenter is certainly in Ulster. And they arm themselves, they threaten to uh, declare independence from Britain, to to declare a provisional government. they, they openly liaise with Imperial Germany.
1: Well, ultimately, it is ironic that the group of people that fought so hard against Home Rule were the first to get it on Absolutely, the Absolutely, yes. And, <laughs> uh, and, and
0: it's also ironic, of course, that they are, to a certain extent, the first provisionals uh, in the sense that they're the ones who first proposed to establish separation from Britain. Uh, and make active plans to do that a and million, create a provisional government. A million of them
1: sign it, some of them in their own blood, they land arms in Larne, uh, and this really does yep. uh, further militarise uh, the, the situation as Well, I, I
0: think it's the British reaction that really creates the problem because the British change their policy in response to the threat of violence. They, they do amend the Home Rule Bill, Uh, and the proposal to amend it even further. For example, it's at this point that we have the origins of the the discussion of partition, Uh, and and all of that, of course, has entailed through to Brexit and and so on. Uh, But but the the, the reaction of the British government seemed to demonstrate to militants that the British government listened to this type of language. They weren't necessarily open to parliamentary discourse. Uh, They weren't necessarily only going to listen to, to constitutional arguments. Uh, that they did listen to to the, the th- at least the threat of force, um, uh, and, 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 and and the IRB drew, drew that drew the the relevant uh, lesson. Uh, Sinn Féin are separate to the IRB.
1: Yes. Is there perhaps there's overlaps? Uh, uh, but in the so home rule like uh, is you know, I think it's on its third reading through Parliament yep. where it eventually is accepted and World War One pauses it. Yep. Um, so John Redmond and the Irish volunteers are happy with that. Yep. Are the
0: revolutionaries in the IRB happy with the proposed Home Rule? No, of course, because for a variety of different reasons, but the main one is that they fear that if Home Rule is, is, is it passed and is accepted uh, by the Irish people, it will actually bind Ireland closer to Great Britain and bind even more securely within the empire. So this proposed Home Rule, had it come through, would
1: not have stemmed the revolutionary fervour entirely? No, absolutely and
0: not. Absolutely not. Now, at the same time, again, to, to repeat what I said earlier, that the, the revolution movement wasn't particularly strong, but it grows stronger as a result of the Home Rule crisis, and then it goes much stronger, of course, as a result of the First World War and the fact that the First World War isn't won quickly. Uh, it drags on and on with enormous casualties. Uh, And for most of the period of the war, it seemed as if Britain was on the losing side. Uh, It's really only in the the summer of 1918 that you can say that the pendulum had swung in Britain's favour. So you seem to be losing a war that was, A, going on very long, and B, was incredibly expensive in terms of cost of lives, etc. So this, this alienates large numbers of people and drives them into... The arms of, of the separatists. Hmm. Would he
1: have been involved in any of the 1916 elements? I know my, what I know about the the Cork aspect of it is there was a gathering on Shear Street, which uh, may or may not have been the this, the headquarters of the Irish Volunteers. Um, there was a standoff with the police, uh, and they they were all. I think a priest was called and, and forced them all to disband. It, it,
0: and, it, and, and, that, and, that's the origins of it, but it, it, it's it's rather wo- bigger than that. Yeah, uh,
1: and, and one of the things was that you know after the the failings of Cork for want of a better phrase, of 1916, they were determined that wasn't going to happen again and when, when the War of Independence came around, there was, you know, they, they well, no, Certainly
0: on, on that last point, without a shadow of a doubt, there is a direct connection between what was seen to be the failure of Cork to rise, and I'll explain that in a second, uh, and, and the phenomenal activity, military activity that took place in, in the War of Independence. Uh, I, without wishing to go into a very long story, I'll try and shorten it as mm. briefly as I can. Uh, to Morris McCurtain, as, as head of the Cork Volunteers, uh, wasn't informed that there was a plan to rise in Dublin on Easter weekend. So he was the head
1: Irish. of the Irish Volunteers in Cork yeah. in 1916, and,
0: and an IRB man. Uh, but he still wasn't told because the fear was that if if word got around, then the British would able so be he's able being to being kept crack really down. tight. Exactly. So it's it's really only within a small circle within Dublin that the detailed knowledge of the plan. Now at the same time, he was ordered to to prepare for mobilisation, uh, which was. Well, signaled, Com- and, and, and everybody knew about it. Uh, and it's only really at the last minute that he starts receiving word that, in fact, this isn't just a drill or it's not a draft mobilization, this is the real thing. And then you have an incredibly confusing series of orders, counter orders, countermans, inquiries notes arriving out of sequence etc where it was it was simply impossible for him to know exactly what orders he was receiving. He, he, he viewed the situation as a soldier, that he would obey orders but he just didn't know what orders he was expected to follow. Um, so what happened on Easter Sunday uh, in Cork not in Dublin of course because the, the countermanding order had taken effect in Dublin on Easter Sunday but on, on Easter Sunday in Cork the, the volunteers mobilised. They all, all the volunteer companies then marched out in effect to uh, kill Murray uh, and they, they assembled there and there were a whole series of, of manoeuvres on the day and at that point, on the basis that he didn't know what was going what on, was going on uh, he, he felt himself obliged in effect to, to dismiss the assembly groups which had come from West Cork and from the city and, and other uh, assembly points and he had to dismiss them. He then goes back to Cork, and and here's the following day that the rising is on, and he goes along with Terence McSweeney and some number of others to the Volunteer Hall in in Scheer Street, uh, and all he can really do is is maintain a watching brief uh, on the basis that he doesn't know what's to do. He he can't launch a, a suicide mission. They must have been raging. Well, I mean it it was it was in, uh, mortified. I mean the the the, the feeling of. Betrayal of what was going in Dublin, the feel of having failed, which was which was wrong, absolutely wrong, and yes. it is important to I'm not to, having
1: been kept in the loop as he would have well, seen
0: it. I, I suppose it is important to remember that he was court-martialed, as Terence McSweeney was court-martialed as his number two by the Volunteers, uh, and was completely acquitted uh, of all charges on on the basis that he simply couldn't have done anything other than, than what he did. So utterly confused were the, yeah. the instructions that he was being given.
1: And was there then a gathering of men in that centre and the police with a cordon yes. and a priest yeah. came? And well, it, it
0: was actually more than a priest. It was the Bishop Colin, or the future Bishop Colin. He was the... the, uh, the uh, uh, assistant bishop of cork at that point he was soon to take over as the full bishop uh, and between him and the lord mayor they negotiated they uh, negotiated a peaceful surrender that the weapons were supposed to be kept in because in, in one sense the volunteers hadn't done anything wrong they mm. they had legally held weapons
1: although meanwhile it's all going
0: on in it's dublin a, it's so. going on in dublin uh, but but in, from their point of view they had done nothing illegal mm. uh but, so, the weapons were deposited with the Lord Mayor, and, and, as far as he was concerned, he was acting with good faith. The British then seized those weapons, uh, perhaps not surprisingly, given what was happening, and then proceeded to arrest tomosurtin and and all the others at their leisure. He, he He was allowed to go home initially, and he was then subsequently uh, arrested, uh, and he goes to uh, a variety of different prison camps and internment camps, uh, prison, prison, of war camps, etc. Uh, L- like, Britain. like the Frog March, Frog March, yeah, and that
1: sort of thing. Well, great because I never knew that about uh, McCurtin and McSweeney that they were that centrally involved. In they're, that. they're number one and two. Number wow. one and two. Um, because the curious thing then is that the British attribute the rising to Sinn Fein, who really had very little to do with it. No. Everybody then begins to uh, identify themselves with Sinn, yep. Sinn Fein. Do they, or they, or they then join? Well, how, I mean, do, she, how does that? movement happened from, yep. they weren't Sinn Féin, yep. they're, they're described as Sinn Féin, and then they become Sinn Féin.
0: Well, Sinn Féin was, was as were, as much a mindset as as the name of a political party. A Sinn Féin mindset was somebody who, who wanted separation from Britain, uh, and, and that encompasses economic separation, cultural separation, as much as political separation. Uh, again, the, uh, Griffith, as far as Griffith was concerned, he was happy with any form of political separation uh, that, that guaranteed that Ireland would control its own destinies. He wasn't hung up on the republican status. He was prepared to accept uh, the dual, the dual monarchy. But you're correct that the British used the term Sinn Féin as a as a generic term of almost abuse for their opponents and that didn't really matter whether they were political opponents members of the volunteers whether it was the gaelic league i mean anybody who was fact an opponent of, of british rule or british influence in ireland was, was labeled the sinn feiner and of course this was a godsend to the republicans because it gives them a label under which they can organize resistance mm-hmm. so when the prisoners start to be released in the latter months of 1916 they go back to their home uh, counters. And they go back to doing what had led them to be incarcerated in the first instance. Uh, Michael Collins, of course, uh, a cork man, he's, he's instrumental in this. He's, he's helping to revitalize the volunteers nationally. But Tomas McCurtain and Terence McSweeney, with some interruptions because, of course, they're rearrested arrested uh, in, in 1917 and Terence McSweeney manages to get himself uh, married while he's on, in effect, house arrest over in England. Uh, at that time uh, but in 1917, 1918 at the time that they had at their disposal McCurtain uh, and McSweeney were both actively involved in reorganising and re-energising the volunteers and and both and, and two things happened at the end of 1917, one Sinn Féin goes fully Republican adopts a new constitution uh, and is now fully fledged Republican uh, and the volunteers while they don't have the same constitutional change, pretty much the entire eshe- upper echelon of the volunteers are now uh, Republicans, members of the IRB, people who have been out in 1916, so some of the moderates who had been had positions of influence uh, before then, uh, who hadn't necessarily hitched their wagon to any particular political status, are now uh, ousted, and you, you, the, the volunteers now, in effect, we call them a fully fledged Republican force, also.
1: Wow, it's like a whole coming together, and I just I know where I want to go to with you in a moment, Gabriel. Which is the the election that sort of shows the will of the Irish people. After there's the small band of people that go out and and sort of. You know, you know, it was it was like a heroic stand in order to to wake Irish people up to something that they knew lay somewhere yeah. buried deep within their heart, and clearly it did. But just while I'm on this, because I think it would be I, 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 only as you're talking, I kind of thought it would be unfair not to ask the question of where was Elizabeth Walsh or Eilish Brahanock in yeah. this? Because Bonn had such yeah. a role to play in 1916, yeah. and we've talked about all of these men all the way along. Yeah. Do you have a moment for, where, where were the, where were the yeah. women in this? Well, I mean,
0: uh, Eilish Walsh was was cut from the same cloth. Uh, uh, a woman who was every bit as committed to the Gaelic revival as her husband. Uh, a very good camogie player. Uh, uh, camogie at that point was, was strong in Cork and she was noted... Uh, as one of the better players. Unfortunately, there wasn't sort of an inter-county scene, uh, but had there been, she almost certainly would have been uh, on, on the Cork team. Uh, she was, of course, as as inevitably was the case at that time when she got married, children started to arrive uh, pretty quickly and, and in large numbers. And and in effect, she has to, I would say, subordinate uh, her, herself, but as it were, it's a partnership uh, and a division of responsibilities. Uh, One one thing's for certain is that the the children had the same thoroughly Republican outlook as mm. as their parents and that would have come more from the, from the mother than from the father. Well,
1: they, they may well have seen her more often. Yeah. Uh, it's brilliant that they lived on Thomas Davis Street, a young islander uh, from Mallow, yeah. uh, uh, born to a Welsh father and an Irish Protestant mother and a Protestant himself and someone who lived the the legacy of the 1798 ideals. Uh, I, I, you know, you'd almost wonder did they deliver? Would it have been called Thomas Davis Street at that point? And uh, who I, would have I given think it probably
0: Probably would yes Uh, I mean I'd I'd have to to check but you had something like John Redmond Street uh, was in in place at that point Great William O'Brien Street uh, who was another Home Ruler of and and who
1: you know so it's is it the corporation that are naming the streets and and so the corporation are effectively nationalist in outlook albeit moderate well there's a
0: strong Unionist element there I mean. Unionists were were very strongly represented in the professions in the city, uh, in the life of commerce and business and so on and so forth. Uh, But it it did have, as most of the councils outside the northeast of Ulster, had uh, a a nationalist uh, majority.
1: Uh, they they ran a small clothing and rainwear factory on Thomas Davis Street 40 Thomas Davis Street in Blackpool mm. and no doubt uh, Elizabeth Walsh or Eilish Branock as she presumably yep. uh, preferred to refer to herself after her Gaelic League background which is where she met Thomas McCurtain in the very first place so the Sinn Fein election is the thing that shows the british yep. that this is now the will of the people and it's yep. virtually a landslide
0: and what 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 year is that and, and that's that's in late 1918 after the end of the war but i mean things had been moving in that direction Anyway, for two years. I mean, it's not like the 1918 election result comes out of the. Blue. No,
1: but it's the, it's, the, it's the mark on the paper. Oh, absolutely. It's yes, the mark yes. on the paper that well, says. And, this... and, and the
0: 1918 election has a significance that previous elections don't have because it's the first election which is held on a, a genuinely mass suffrage. Mm. Uh, all men over a certain age get the vote, and and any soldiers who were slightly younger got the vote as well. A relatively small number of women got the vote. They had to own property and and so on and so forth. Uh, But at least some women are are getting the vote. So it's the first time in which you have, in effect, a majority of the population are at least eligible to vote. Now, as it happened, in many cases, people, even though they just acquired the vote, weren't able to exercise it because so dominant was Sinn Féin that the Home Rule Party simply weren't able to find candidates in many seats. Um, and so a large number of seats were... Because Sinn
1: Féin were on a Republican ticket. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and did they actually think it was feasible? Like where, had you know, well, it's, yes. like, it's like Zionists going to Israel and forgetting entirely about the people that already live there. Well, how, well, how do the, how the Republicans...
0: Their strategy was international recognition of Ireland as, as a republic. So their emphasis was, it's this interesting combination of, on the one hand... Arthur Griffith's idea of you building up the state from within, of course, between mm. 1919 and 1921, and does that spectacularly well in, in, in a large number of areas. But they also said that they took advantage of the spirit of the times. Woodrow Wilson, the president of America, had brought America into the war on a, a radical democratic uh, idea uh, the, the, of, of self-sufficiency and the right of small nations to mm. determine their own future. But still... Do Self-determination, they, sorry, not self-sufficiency.
1: But, but still, like, can they just
0: ignore the loyal...
1: Uh, unionists in their midst and say, well, if the will of the people dictates... A well, will... it, it, it
0: wasn't so much of that because, of course, what they said is that in, in all of the new states which were coming into existence throughout Europe, in places like Poland, the Baltic states, uh, in, in the Balkans, uh, in pretty well every one of those states you had National minorities—you had religious minorities or linguistic minorities—but so that, that hadn't usual. stopped exactly. That hadn't stopped the great powers in deciding what the new map of Europe should be from from accepting that you might have minorities, but that that didn't prevent the creation of a state. And and they genuinely believed that Woodrow Wilson would be able to to put pressure, sufficient pressure on the British uh, to to grant. Ireland's status as a republic, and one really important footnote on, on that point is that because Ireland isn't granted self-determination, isn't its independence isn't recognised in the Versailles Treaty, Woodrow Wilson wasn't able to get the Versailles Treaty ratified by the American Congress, and the main obstacle to that were the Irish in America. And in his own party, especially the Irish... Because it wasn't strong enough on Ireland. Exactly. And, and of course, that had huge consequences for American history. It means that America, in effect, disengages from world affairs, uh, retreats into isolationism for about... 12 years until Woodrow Wilson and, and you have the election of what might turn with one eye on, on the current situation uh, of an isolationist republican president <laughs> so uh, there are certain overtones of, of the modern era in that as well Yes
1: because Ireland sent representatives to Versailles in That's order right. to plead for the case of yeah. Ireland as a small nation but, but, the of right uh, self-determination but,
0: but Wilson just wasn't able to, to get the British to move
1: But is there some I, I don't uh, this is, could almost be if not a cul-de-sac but a diversion that we don't necessarily need to go on in talking about Thomas McCurtain but I'm just interested myself in would there have been a lack of knowledge of the depth of feeling of ordinary unionists across the North and how this how, it would never fly? Well, one should remember at this point you is know, that... There weren't, there weren't any overtures being sent or any attempt to woo or yeah. placate or soften or...
0: Well, well uh, I, I, my own view is that I think they figured out at that point is that it didn't matter what you said. <laughs> there, there was only going to be one... Language that the, mm. the unions in also with the unions in the south were a different matter, and I'll, I'll come mm. to those. Uh, and that was no, I mean, mm. so th- there was no possibility mm. of, of, of well, and when a covenant
1: is signed in blood, it yeah, says yeah.
0: that you're not going to be governed by Dublin. And then, that's, uh,
1: so the election comes, and it's the first one of, of mass, uh,
0: um, mass suffrage, you know, yes,
1: yeah. suffrage, yes. And uh, it is a Sinn Fein
0: landslide, yep. and yep. it changes, there were three quarters of the seats. And following Griffith's uh, mm. ideals, they say, Well, okay. We don't go to London. Uh, if we went to London and, and entered into the Parliament at Westminster, we'd be making the same mistake that the Home Rule Party gave, which was in effect, to, to signify we accept the Act of Union, we accept London rule over Ireland, and our hopes for a Republican uh, form of government would be dashed. So they said we, we rely upon ourselves. We adopt the, the, the motto of self-reliance that's inherent in the name Fein. We create our own Parliament, dual Ireland. We build upon the the, the good beginnings that have already been put in place over the previous decade in terms of creating a sense of, of national self-reliance. We don't
1: wait for permission. No. We absolutely just do not. it. We do it.
0: Uh, and we ignore any refusal of permission. I mean, the, 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 Our de- our connection with Britain is done and we just, we go ahead according to our own ideals.
1: And I'd imagine um, argue forcibly dissuade those who try to get in the way from well, getting I mean, in yeah, the way.
0: I, I, well, their view was this uh, as a state and the state had in effect come into being mm. in in 1916, it had been temporarily in abeyance. But with the creation of representative democratic institutions uh, in in 1918 and in 1919, with the formation of the Dole, that, that that state was entitled to do what states do uh, that have been properly constituted uh, in terms of calling on to quote as well the 1916 proclamation. It was entitled to call on. Uh, the population uh, for its support, even if that population didn't necessarily uh, agree with it. Uh, the same way as the British had in effect tried to enforce for example conscription uh, in Ireland in, in, in 1918.
1: Or even how they'd arguably in, in, in enforced rule over yeah, Ireland for, exactly. for, for, for quite a period of time. So where are, are McCurtain and McSweeney in, in that yeah. uh, and when does it get Ter- to the Terence
0: point? McSweeney is elected as a TD. Uh, Timorce McCurtain takes the interesting decision not to stand for election, had he had he decided to go for election, he would have been a shoo-in, mm-hmm. um, as as of course Terence McSweeney was. Um, I think his main focus at this point is the volunteers. I mean, he's he's really determined to get the volunteers up to the highest peak of uh, prep, uh, preparation that they can. They no, can be. So he's
1: on the slightly on the more militaristic. Well, I, the, I mean, I, I, side.
0: McSweeney is is militaristic as well, but uh, he he is he's involved in a number of different uh, areas. But McCurtain, I think, is is Mainly focused on that. He's also involved in his own business, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's 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 giving employment to a large number of young women. Interestingly, many of those women had had their menfolk in the British Army, mm. and so he was. It uh, was interesting as, as somebody who didn't allow politics uh, to get into the way of, of as it were, the right right form of behavior he, he didn't seek to boycott those women or seek to marginalize them or the families they represented he recognized that many of them needed the job uh, could do the job and, and did it pretty well and might even ultimately end up being useful well I mean and, and 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 I think they were I think they were very grateful for the work because certainly at the end of the war there was a, a huge economic downturn I mean in effect a, a, a almost instantaneous Economic collapse, uh, not quite along the lines we're experiencing just at this and precise Spanish moment. And Spanish flu. Let's yes, not forget, that, which that's, is apt. That was going to be my next point: is that the the whole of Ireland, indeed the whole of the world, but certainly Europe, is being decimated by by Spanish flu. Uh, it is a very very dangerous time to be alive if you're if you're young, if you're a Pregnant, uh, if you're you're elderly, it's also perhaps, and this is one of the differences then between the Spanish flu and, and the, the current outbreak. Uh, it, it tends to hit the younger yes. slightly more uh, than, than the current mm. outbreak. But that's also remember, I mean, there's been four years of war, mm. uh, and even though the war hadn't hit Ireland quite as hard as it hit it, other parts of Europe in terms of food shortages, but there was a, a shortage of, of food at the time, so people were undernourished, and this is one of the reasons why the the Spanish flu is just so awful
1: Uh, and like now cities went quiet uh, yes absolutely people uh, stayed at home yes uh, yes. everything stopped
0: religious well you know it's interesting in they they didn't stop the religious services then but what they did say for example in lent in as late as easter 1919 is that anybody who was uh, who was obliged to to fast for lent because in those days that was very much part of it they said that you're no longer obliged to fast because this would weaken your system so there was a definitely a social uh, as well as uh, a medical response to the catastrophe that that had enveloped the country with incredible rapidity uh, in late 1918. It's amazing. We're looking
1: back a hundred years, the the decade of commemorations, and and you know 2020 very much for want of a better phrase, Cork's year, in terms of the significant yes, yep. events like McCurtain's death uh, yep. on this day 100 years ago. The burning of Cork is to come later this year. Yep. McSweeney's uh, uh, death by uh, starvation, by hunger strike, yep. which captures the imagination of the world. Both topics that I look forward to discussing in later podcasts, <laughs> uh, perhaps with you, Gabriel, perhaps with John uh, from UCC as well. Um but to get back now to this i suppose so is it the election mid mid? it's 2018 roughly the mid
0: the election the war ends like 1918 december 1918 after the war end a war, uh, the election had been due during the war it had been cancelled until the war end so Spanish so
1: flu, yeah uh, we get to sort of maybe mid 1919 yeah. and is that solo headbag which is an uh, uh, solo you
0: know, headbag takes place in january 1919 the same day so january as they, so in the yeah. midst
1: of it all yeah, this yeah, this, yeah, this yeah. kicks yeah. off in the midst yeah. this, because we you know again we have a better sense now of how dramatic a, yeah. a pandemic can be. Yes, um, absolutely, and
0: and it, I mean the, the, this just adds to. And of course, remember there's and, also and,
1: and an unapproved action. So yes, head absolutely,
0: and, and you also have severe uh, labour uh, problems. And of when, you,
1: when you look at headbag not really, um, you know, you. You'd, You'd question what happened. They're like it's, it's three Irishmen are shot. At well, well it's, it? It, it,
0: it's. I think I don't think the the people who in volunteer headquarters were were overly concerned of the nationality of, of the mm. policeman. What they were mainly concerned is that it was an unauthorized action. Mm. Uh, and as an army, if you're having subordinate units. In effect, either ignoring or not following orders coming from from the headquarters, then then that was that was problematic.
1: Yeah, no, I didn't mean to stress necessarily the nationality, but when you look at the solo headbag uh, event, you, it it they seem like unnecessary deaths. It,
0: well, it, it's uh, there are disputed uh, accounts of of what happened because, of course, uh, everyone on the crown side dies, um, so that there is only getting from from one side. But I suppose one should remember is that the volunteers subsequently. As a policy which is endorsed by Dorlaren, goes after the, the RIC more generally. Mm. Uh, and of course, this has connections for mm. Tomos McCurtain's own uh, own death. So the RIC was seen as, as the, the main enemy. It's not so much the British Army, because the British Army isn't out on the streets. The British Army isn't, as were well, the eyes and ears of the British mm. government. Uh, it, it's, the it's the strategic reserve. The, the RIC the is the front line. Right. Uh, and one should remember, and uh, thinking back to, I suppose, the controversy earlier this year about uh, the Status of the RIC. I mean, the British government made no bones about what the RIC was. It it described it in Parliament as a semi-military organisation, and always had been, ever since its its creation in the 19th century. Its existence—it—it didn't serve to protect society from bad guys. I mean, its main function was to protect the British state from Interesting. Its, its political opponents. Mm. Uh, it, was, it was a highly politicized police force. Most of the members, of course, are, are Irish Catholics mm. uh, and probably would be nationalists in their sympathies. But in terms of, of what their role was as members of, of the RAC, they were there as, as it were, the, the principal bulwark of British rule in Ireland at the time to uphold the status quo. Yes,
1: absolutely. Uh, Solo Headbeg is looked upon as the starting point of the uh, War of Independence. Uh, So it happens in early 1919 in Tipperary. It's an unauthorised by volunteer leadership uh, event uh, aimed at at, at retrieving some arms and and munitions.
0: And angelic knights, I think that was one of the main... And and And, and I think think it was also simply designed to provoke. Hmm. uh, Yeah, To to, to kick the thing, to kick the hole in its nest.
1: Uh, And it did, and it does. and, And I mean, you know, we don't have to go through forensic details detail of 1919 as such yeah. because in a way you know into 2020 is, is kind of where we want to get and where we want to yeah. to finish on uh, you know on this day 100 years ago with the with the RIC slash Black and Tans when do they come into the picture no they they're
0: not there this is they're pure not. RIC yeah. this is uh, who, this who, is nothing who but RIC they head to
1: number 40 Thomas Davis Street in yes. Blackpool yep. and they go in and they shoot in the bed yep. the lord the the duly elected lord mayor of Cork on his 36th birthday that's that's where we'll we'll finish we'll this up, yeah. this bit so 1919 rolls on it, and, it's ho- and
0: I suppose one should remember is that throughout 1919 both sides are, are gearing up. Mm-hmm. I mean the British are constantly raiding uh, they're, they're not at this point interning too many people although if, if you are guilty of sort of overtly challenging the British state like for example by wearing volunteer uniform or in, engaging in, in drilling and so on and so forth then you are likely to be arrested. You're probably going to only go to prison for a month or two uh, but the, the volunteers their main focus at this point is just acquiring weapons. I mean they are they still haven't made good, the losses that they experienced in 1916. So it's, it's acquiring weapons, drilling, testing out, finding out who are the good leaders, who can be promoted to position of authority. Uh, and and uh, the Cork volunteers at this point are really a very formidable force, even before they start really taking to the field, as it were, in, in a very significant way, which is largely happens in, in 1920. There were engagements in 1919, 19. but I suppose one of the the main thing that happens in in the very first days of 1920, uh, they, they start attacking ROC barracks, uh, particularly the ROC barracks in Kilmoree, which they didn't take, and then the ROC barracks in Kilkul, which they did take, um, and this indicates that the ROC perhaps isn't as powerful an opponent, an all powerful opponent, as as perhaps. Uh, the British government liked to present them. And this sets a a whole series of subsequent attacks upon the RIC barracks, uh, especially in Cork, uh, city and county. And and the British are forced to simply pull out, close down those barracks, and the IRA quickly burned them down, which means that the the British are then, their eyes and ears are gone, the symbols of royal authority and British rule are gone, Uh, and in effect, large swathes of, of Cork become part of the living republic. Uh, it is the republicans, in effect, who, who hold sway. And the British are forced to withdraw to the towns. Uh, and even in Cork City, I mean, they are forced to withdraw from some of the barracks uh, in Cork City and concentrate in large and larger numbers uh, in the barracks that remain.
1: Mad. McSweeney is elected to the the first all. Uh, McCurtain isn't, yep. uh, but presumably then it's corporation elections that yep. sees the. Uh, had the corporation been for want of a better word taken over by Republican interest prior to that?
0: No, no. It was very, very much uh, the the existing. And again, there had been elections due for the corporation uh, during the war, but these had been deferred. Um, what's What's very important to note is that the British. Having seen what happened in 1918 when Sinn Fein had won three quarters of the seats with getting slightly less than 50% of the vote because many of it, the, the seats were uncontested and no one who wanted to vote Sinn Fein were given allowed, or allowed the opportunity in those seats, that they adopted a new method of election, a proportional representation. The hope was is that this would. A, they thought that the, the Sinn Féin wasn't as popular as it had been in 1918, and B, they thought that even if it was, that this would diminish the, the prospects of Republican seizing control. Uh, very embarrassing for the British government. The Republicans say, this is actually what we want. We have always pushed for proportional representation. Uh, they contest the the seats. Uh, it's 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 more of a challenge in 1920 than it had been in 1918, precisely because there's there's certainly, in there's no seats which are uncontested, and you you face challenges from unionists, from constitutional nationalists, from former soldiers and sailors who who contest the elections.
1: And what's the feeling in the general public around the the activities that are occurring, like the attacks? Well, I on suppose
0: the- on the basis that. One can only read into the way that people voted their, their ju- yes. assessment. Uh, and the Republicans win an overall majority, a clear overall majority uh, on on the council. Uh, and then I suppose we're familiar with the way that uh, proportional representation operates in, in the system now. And the, So in some of the, the final seats, pretty well in every ward the Republicans top the poll. Uh, but I think they make the big mistake, which I think i Sinn Féin has made in the most recent election. In some cases they don't run enough candidates. Uh, that they they possibly would have won more seats in certain wards in the city had they run more candidates. Uh, but so so some of the uh, small number of unionists, residual uh, home rulers, uh, some commercial interests, uh, they win the remainder of the seats. But uh, the Sinn Féin candidates, which interestingly in Cork City, not in too many other parts of the country, run on a, a, a joint Sinn Féin Irish Transport and General Workers' Unit uh, union ticket um, so this is linking Sinn Féin with sort of the radical uh, wing of the trade union movement uh, at that time and and they win a clear election and this that's the elections are held in mid-January and then it's on the 30th of January in 1920 that Thomas McCurtain was elected as as Lord Mayor and his first action in the same meeting was to to say that Cork Council now no longer recognized British rule in Ireland, and that they were going to recognise Doolin as the the sole source of legitimacy in the state, which
1: was commemorated recently in
0: Cork City yes. Hall,
1: and the Irish Examiner did a wonderful uh, piece on that whole day. I enjoyed reading how the how that evening went. I, down. I, I was
0: privileged enough to be there, and it was a very moving occasion. One of the great tragedies, of the course of the current outbreak, is that something similar was planned for tomorrow. Uh, sorry for today, if oh, I'm talking about thinking. I'm thinking of the dates uh, the, the, for today, and that's unfortunately had to uh, go by the board, and, and as has every other, practically every other commemorative event. Uh, the, one of the, the few events that did take place took place last week uh, when the Glen Boxing Club, of uh, uh, which he was the first president when it was founded, uh, staged a, a very moving event uh, up in, up in the, the hall up there in the Glen. Uh, and I was there, privileged to be there with Fionnuala McCurtain, Tomos McCurtain's, uh, granddaughter and it was very very much appreciated the the effort that was undertaken by the the club and the fact that they proceeded on a scale down operation that because of course the restrictions were in place at that point uh but it, it i think it was it was very important that some public event mm. be held and to certain extent i think it, it's suitable if you couldn't use civic or the civic uh, facilities that it be done in blackpool itself mm, indeed you've
1: built up a background of Thomas McCurtain was it a surprise that he was the
0: person put forward to be no. lord mayor no, no, no he, I mean, was the, he, he was he was the, he was the main he was the main man he was, with I mean, McSweeney he was. close by uh, no well Mc, McSweeney was his was of course subsequently his his successor mm. uh, so the two men were seen very much uh, as it were as operating in tandem uh, but i senior, think that, the senior figure well McCurtain was 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 the senior figure certainly on the volunteer side he was remember he was also the commandant of cork number no. 1 brigade which is the the brigade of the volunteers that encompass the city. And, and uh, are
1: they now IRA? Yes.
0: Yeah, well, uh, officially Ogley and the Heron remains the official title but mm. after the uh, after the, the Republican reorientation in late 1917 the term IRA becomes increasingly uh, used. It never becomes the official title of the mm. volunteers that remain the Irish volunteers Ogley and the Heron uh, but generally speaking, the, and, and this is intended to signify they are the army of the Irish Republic, which is regarded as already being in being.
1: So he's not Lord Mayor for long, does he? Does much happen in the from the end of January to the end of March? He
0: does. He does a number of things. He he, obviously he hasn't got much time to do take a number of initiatives, but he does focus very much on the nitty gritty of how the, the council conducted its business. He was very interested, for example, in the granting of contracts. Uh, by the Council, and and there were accusations in certain quarters that certain businesses were getting a disproportionate share of of the Council's business. Uh, He was also extremely interested, and this is again, I think, linking into the fact that he'd been elected on a joint ticket between Sinn Féin and the Irish Transport Workers. He was very interested in in committing uh, the, the Council to compulsory arbitration for industrial disputes. Uh, that it wouldn't just simply be as it had been, for example, in 1913 in Dublin, and before that, in in the court lockouts uh, of some years before, uh, of the the employers, sort of just taking on the unions uh, as, as sort of two bulls locking horns. That there be, demean- be some mechanism by yeah. which the interest could be could be reconciled. Labour courts, or exactly, I mean, and, and in effect, that's what the labour court has now, and and uh, sort of compulsory arbitration. So in that sense, he was. He was very much ahead of his time in terms of of his his determination to try and prevent sort of the the negative aspects of class struggle. I mean, what had been seen, for example, in Bolshevik Russia. At this point, there were already some of the the horror stories about what was happening in in, in Bolshevik Russia. So he he was certainly a labour man, but he wasn't somebody who was prepared to see the country go down the route of that that type of... Mm. Uh, conflict, and he he believed that it was possible to reconcile the interests of, in effect, capital and labour, but that both sides had to accept that that they had to sign up to this process. Uh, you couldn't just be in it half-hearted, and and it had to be compulsory. So it's interesting. I mean, had he lived, it'd be interesting to see in, in what direction uh, he would have taken the city. A, a phrase that could
1: be used for so many. Of course, that of Didn't course. live over the the next ten years. Absolutely, after but
0: I mean, he certainly in the short time that he's in office. Uh, he he does begin a process of reform, necessary reform, uh, and it's entirely in keeping with the principles which he'd observed throughout his own life. Mm. Uh, I mean, on the issue, for example, uh, in terms of his own factors, I mean, he he was known as a fair wage employer. He was somebody who didn't give the bare minimum uh, wages to his to his employees. So again, remember, in many cases, would have been politically not on the same page, uh, and and he was regarded very much as as a, a fair employer uh, in the near when. Uh, as we know again from the Dublin lockouts and other industrial disputes uh, remember of course many other industrial b- disputes were taking place at this time this is one of the reasons why he's so keen to establish this principle of arbitration precisely because he sees at uh, the end of the war with the collapse of agricultural prices there's a lot of ag- uh, agricultural unrest with the, the loss in demand for war production, uh, there's a large amount of unemployment in, in the city so he's very keen to try and avoid the type of social problems uh that had been manifested throughout the rest of europe so uh, activities
1: continuing you've talked of the british retreating into the cities from from uh, barracks and in, in uh, more rural areas where they've been taken over and then subsequently burned down and the living republic is is yes. is, is is alive and well and growing arguably um, what what brings it to the point where the ric you know, co- come out of what is now uh, uh, Collins Barracks. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Well, no,
0: it's actually King Street Barracks, which is now McCurtain Street. There was a barracks in McCurtain Street uh-huh. uh, that has, has since closed. It was called King Street at the time. It was very soon thereafter renamed uh, McCurtain Street. Uh,
1: well, Is it uh, that they're getting more and more wound up by what's going on? Well, there are two schools of thought. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: On the one hand, there was an RAC man who was killed uh, on the previous evening, Constable Merton. Uh, and there is a school of thought that what well, was done over the course of the following number of hours was simply a response to that. But that would ignore a whole series of clear signals that had been sent out to the McCurtain family that they were in danger. Uh, They had received a number of warnings uh, over the preceding months. There had been innumerable raids on the family home. Through for no obvious reason. Again, this is raiding the home uh, of the Lord Mayor. Uh, he had in fact received a death threat only three days before the shooting itself. Before Constable Murter, uh had been had been shot. Uh, for my own view, I think it's impossible to be absolutely certain. I think the killing of Constable Mercer was a trigger for something which was already planned. Uh, I think the I think, and again, this is supposition that that, but based upon. What we know about what happened on the night itself, uh, which was very coordinated, I mean there's no question about it that there must have been a degree of plea planning uh, in, in what was done on the night. but I think the decision was taken the next one that they take out of ours, either the RSE, that we will respond uh, and we will respond uh, with with overkill. Uh, but if you have a look at, at at what happens on the night of the, the uh, of the funeral, and this is testified both in the press by eyewitnesses over the course of the following days and then officially in the inquest... um there is absolutely no doubt that there must have been a degree of, of pre-planning. Um, and, and not just by those, the, the 40 or 50 policemen who were involved in various different ways, uh, but by pretty much every policeman in the city. I mean, even the British... They're taking them out. The The, 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 the British government said, well, if this is true, this is what you're saying, true, every policeman in the city must have been uh, aware of it. Uh, so, I mean, there's a whole series of things that happen that, uh, over the course of the night. Uh, the, the curfew is enforced. Uh, lamps are turned off. Goodness People are uh, t- uh, driven from the streets. Uh, there are eyewitnesses who see. Who see uh, it's like a mafia hit. Yeah, well, movie I mean, it, 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 I mean, there is no. There, it cannot be simply a haphazard, uh, rapidly organised event when you have that degree of coordinated action.
1: Well, it's an interesting. It makes me think now. You know, when we talk about all of what's happened over these years, what is psychologically going on for the Irish Catholic RIC men across the country yep. who must sort of feel just a, a, a sense of suffocation of just being closed in and closed in.
0: Well, I mean, what was happening with many of them, it, of course, was that was that they were resigning in large numbers mm-hmm, already, mm-hmm. Um, and and of course the black and tans were being recruited at this point. They hadn't been deployed certainly in Cork City but that happens in, in the course of the following week.
1: Is there even a frustration and a sense of knowing that there's a force being sent to, to bolster them and they're you know, are they I, kind of getting it from both sides and they're well, like, I mean, you know what? I,
0: I, I think that, that they are being encouraged to take the game to the opposition for want of a better mm. phrase. Uh, I, and certainly there is evidence later in the year and we have this in places like Listol where senior officers within the RSA are simply telling Members of the RIC, and this would include black and tans. Uh, if you, you if you kill anyone, you're not going to get into any trouble, which is as clear is in effect the same the saying, "Kill them, it's the shoot, um, shoot to kill." Policy yeah, this, this they is, they is the famously stolen mutiny within the RIC, where the members of the RIC uh, in effect sh- threatened to shoot one of the, the officer who who told them this uh, on the basis that. They, they're not. As far as they're concerned, they're not murderers. They are policemen. They may be loyal to the oath of allegiance that they've given, um, but they aren't prepared to engage in the type of, in effect, shoot-to-kill policy that, that the, the RSC uh, leadership was, was so, advocating. So, as a point.
1: force, they're certainly not getting their heads around the idea that there might be an independent Ireland of so some it's kind. It's
0: incredibly difficult for them. I mean, I suppose the RSC isn't a force that necessarily has, has generated a great deal of sympathy, largely um, because of of what not just of what the black and tans in the Auxiliaries mm. did, but the RIC itself, again, was, was very much a, a, a paramilitary force already, even before the first black and tanner Auxiliaries. So they arrived. were the right. enforcers, the tough They were the enforcers. But at the same time, I suppose, A, is that they'd had it their own way for a long time. So the idea that they might be getting flak coming from the other direction uh, was, was, was very, very difficult. Um, and, of course, many of them believed that, for example, if they were nationalists, that they believed in home rule, mm. and thus if that if these guys were the radicals who were going to screw it up for everybody, exactly, exactly. You're so, just
1: you're just um, outside. You're
0: outlaws. Yeah, yeah and, and you're beyond the pale of respectability. Mm. And you're going to you're, you're what you want is not what what we want, and and, and presumably they believe not what general society. wants. Well, I mean, they? I suppose it's impossible to know exactly what they believe. I mean, we do mm. have evidence, of course, of informers within the RSE passing on information mm. uh, and intelligence, uh, both up in Dublin and especially here in in Cork. Mm. Uh, Florio Donoghue, who was the intelligence officer of the Cork Number no. 1 Brigade, uh, is able to tap into what the RIC is thinking uh, and doing. Uh, but is this the most outlandish act they have... They have... Absolutely. I mean, arguably throughout the entire War of Independence of, of just the RIC, because even though the RIC is involved in a number of other controversial incidents, it's, it tends to be the newly recruited Black and Tan. Now, of course, remember the Black and Tans are RAC, It wasn't a separate force... Mm. They were simply the, the replacements for the RSE men who'd resigned mm. or who, in some cases had been killed. Uh, although a lot of the black and tans weren't Irish. They were drafted yep, from, from they, they know, came, from came in but but, but a number of them were English, were Irish, I think. Mm. That point is often okay. forgotten. Uh, so
1: when they get back to King Street, are they toasting their success
0: and the don't know that. But what we do know uh, is that they were seen going in and out. We know that uh, District Inspector Swansea who was the the man in effect who was named in the the inquest verdict as being as it were the man on the spot who was most culpable? so there in is an inquiry
1: action. post this
0: yeah, yeah yeah there's a fully fledged inquest uh, and in fact it was it was this inquest which to a large extent results in all other inquests subsequently being cancelled because the the inquest conclusively demonstrates uh unknown certain terms that he was murdered by the police but the, the verdict of the the inquest is is even more interesting than the deliberations I'll, I'll just read out perhaps some. i'll read out the entire uh, inquest verdict we find that the late alderman mccurton uh, lord mayor of cork died from shock and hemorrhage caused by bullet wounds and that he was willfully murdered under circumstances of the most callous brutality and that the murder was organized and carried out by the royal Irish constabulary officially directed by the british government and we return a verdict of willful murder against david lloyd george Prime Minister of England, Lord French, Lord Lieutenant of Ireland, Ian McPherson, late uh, late Chief Secretary of Ireland, Acting Inspector General Smith of the Royal Irish Constabulary, District Inspector Clayton of the Royal Irish Constabulary, District Inspector Swansea, and some unknown members of the Royal Irish Constabulary. And and there's uh, another bit of the voting. In effect, what they decide is that McCurtain isn't just killed by the person who who pulls the trigger. He's killed by British rule in Ireland, uh, we, I know for a fact that David Lloyd George, for a whole, he mocked that verdict, knew about that verdict, because in the British cabinet minutes uh, from this period, he refers to that verdict, uh, that he had, he had been singled out as being culpable uh, for what was going on. Uh, the British had, during the, the course of that inquest, so negative was the publicity, so damning was the, the testimony coming from those who were involved, that the British had spun... Uh, fake news, that uh, a report had been emanated from London. It's first picked up solely by the London newspapers and only subsequently makes itself way over to Ireland, which is a clear clear signal of, of where the, the rumour emanated, that it had been an inside job, that McCurtain had been killed by a faction within the IRA, etc., etc. It was all nonsense, mm. uh, and it was simply a response to the... Damning uh, flow of information was coming out daily from from the inquest So anyone who thinks that fake news uh, or, or spin is something that uh, is is uh, modern, certainly that episode would. Corrected. What's what's really interesting who, about the inquest. who populated the inquiry? Well, the, the inquiry—it's interesting at that point. They, they in effect, were were ratepayers, right so you had to be ordinary citizens, yes, and you had to be respectable. And, and you do have some unionists uh, who were there, also, but rather some Protestants who, mm-hmm. who were on there. Uh, so these are the people who wouldn't necessarily be naturally inclined to be sympathetic. But still, as the evidence stacked up... The the, the evidence was incontrovertible, And and what then happens is that the British decide, well, if that's what's going to happen with inquests... We won't do that We're we're Exactly, we're going to get rid of inquests. Uh, And what will happen subsequently is that simply uh, those were conducted under military guidance.
1: So the street lamps are outed, the streets are cleared yep. up to 90 uh, police are well, uh, In terms of the whole operation yes. because
0: of course it's not just the party that lee- that, that goes down to the, the, the station you also have lookouts, you yes. have people oh, being posted to make be. sure nobody's coming wow. the, the, the thing is being observed so and, it, and in scores. they go,
1: turn the house over, but but they're there to shoot him dead No, they, they, they,
0: they don't turn the house over at this point they, they're there to shoot him uh, and, and he's in effect he's called out of his his room and he's, he's shot on the landing. Uh, Morse McCurtain his son witnesses this through the keyhole of one of the rooms in which he's, uh, so he's shot twice he doesn't die uh, immediately, he takes him uh, about an hour I think uh, before before he passes away uh, uh, the priest is called from the, the North Cathedral uh, and what really compounds the trauma which if you think it couldn't get any worse, is that Later on, the army then raid the house, even though the body is there, being laid out on the bed, and the army carried out a full-scale raid of the house. <laughs> you're arching your eyebrow at me, yes, but yes. that's that's what happens. The, the, uh, the army separates to the RIC. Yes, yes. Now, I, 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 some people have suggested it was a deliberate attempt just to compound it. I think it was it was a pre-planned raid, but that gives an indication again that given that the house was being constantly raided, it was it was a house that was very much. Uh, the finger of suspicion was permanently pointed at us, but you can imagine the trauma of of his his widow and of the children.
1: And it's the night of his thirty sixth birthday. Yes, he yes, may well no. have had a celebration meal it was. Everything was, it was planned.
0: Uh, everything was planned for his, his birthday. He had he had gone to the the home of the widow of the uh, RAC men who'd been shot. Uh, and paid his respects. Yes. as the Lord Mayor. Yeah, and, and came back, and uh, and was then was then shot, and it was. It was as traumatic an event as you can possibly imagine. You certainly, even in the newspaper coverage, of course it's very difficult when you hear of something sort of that shocking to, to recreate the atmosphere of the time, but to the extent to which newspapers are capable of capturing it, the, the, the early morning editions, because you do have editions which, even though this happens at half one or quarter past one in the morning, uh, you do have stop press reports coming in and that palpable sense of, of shock. Uh, uh, and it, it was... In one sense, it wasn't necessarily perhaps unexpected by some, but at the same time, the circumstances in which it happens, uh, and of course, very quickly, the truth and the, the rumours about who was responsible start circulating. Uh, so there's some doubt initially? No, there's no doubt. It's just the eyewitnesses, yes. uh, including the family and then the people who are eyewitnesses of, of what had happened on the streets uh, because they come down from a, through Blackpool uh, onto the house.
1: So his wake and his funeral, I presume, are big affairs.
0: Are monumental affairs. I mean, the, sort of the, the funeral. of a time things. to have been alive! Well, it it was, it was, it was traumatic. It really was. I mean, and it, the city must have been shocked. The, the 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 county, the country. Yes, absolutely. I mean, if you have a look at his funeral mass, pretty much the entire city, all the civic life. Obviously, you have the the fellow councillors, uh, council staff, but pretty well every sporting body religious body uh cultural body commercial body uh, is represented send a full floral, floral tribute or march in the uh, in the cortege or turnout on the streets so it is is one of the certainly in terms of the history of cork city in the 20th century it's only really things like t- the funeral of terence mcsweeney Tomos McCurtain, uh jack lynch uh, Christy Ring, and and what's also interesting that the, the two of the Capuchin priests who were his personal chaplains, uh, who they die in America and their bodies are returned in the fifties, and that's sort of the, they're the, the, the big five funerals of Cork in the twentieth century, and to most McCurtain was the first one. Interestingly, to a certain extent, it mimics the funeral of Old Donovan Rossa that had taken place five years before, and he of course had led. The quartet, the the contingent of the Cork Volunteers, at the of Rossa
1: funeral, and is North Cathedral the location for that? Yep, and yep.
0: then, and they out to St Finbarr's, and it's uh, it really is it's it's huge. Uh, and his son Tomos, I suppose there's a little bit of the the John John of the JFK funeral. I mean, the, his his action in saluting his father is one of the emblematic moments of of JFK's funeral. Uh, Tomos, we have getting this blonde haired boy. Uh, Follows the cortege at the head uh, of of the cortege. He's the man who's, in effect, leading the van. Uh, so, and, and we do have footage of this on YouTube. And go, you can turn on and look at it. And it's uh, do, you know, do they drape the the coffin in yeah. a tricolor? And, and or you, a ha, you have a volunteer. Pipes. You have a volunteer. Interestingly, the British don't interfere uh, with the volunteers in the way that they do with the Terence McSweeney funeral later on. I mean, in the Terence McSweeney funeral, there's a very direct intervention in the actual. Religious service, and and the British divert the body coming back from Britain. Uh, at this point, the the, the volunteers. Are allowed in effect to to bury their dead. Nafina exactly. are also present. coming and on. gun solutions. Yeah, yeah. So it's it well, not 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 immediately at the time the, the funeral because the British would have intervened to do that. Mm. But some hours afterwards, mm. the volunteers come into the, the cemetery and and fire the volley over their their dead commandant.
1: I can only imagine the reverberations that that must have caused and and the consternation on both sides. Well, almost. we're
0: still living with, the, with the, yeah. the, the, the because I mean I mean this is the point at which. Rebel Cork really kicks into into overdrive. Uh, there is an absolute determination. Is Tom sense.
1: Barry active at this point? He, he, cut, well, Tom Barry is, is later
0: on, but I mean, he's 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 there. on that he, day. He's there, there. I'm not sure whether he's there on that day. Mm. I'd, I'd have mm. to check on that. But certainly, in terms of of the bitterness that's engendered, mm. uh, saying that, well. Uh, if, and if, any well,
1: moderate people, you know, well, within the that, I mean, city, they and must surely be like, well, you know, you.
0: Well, it, 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 Whatever is, you
1: might feel, the duly elected Lord yeah. Mayor of the city of Cork has been murdered in his bed by the police that are there. To well, and, and, of course, this is this is the first situation. reprisal.
0: I mean, the British then adopt a policy of initially unofficial reprisal and then, even though it was thoroughly illegal, official reprisals later on. But this is really the first large-scale reprisal. And certainly of, of all the people who were killed in the reprisals, uh, to most of just by the sheer by virtue of the fact he's the Republican Lord Mayor, the, the, the Lord Mayor of the largest sort of city with a Republican majority uh, and, and of what he, he signified and symbolised. Uh, it was it was an act that resonated throughout Ireland for months to come and certainly within Cork it is the, as far as I'm concerned it is one of the absolute triggers that, that drives the, the city and the county areas into overdrive it becomes by a country mile the most active area of the country in terms of ira activities so the british sort of opened up a pandora's box uh, and and they found it very very difficult to deal with the consequences but they never did i mean the, by the time the summer of 1921 comes around comes around and and uh, the the ceasefire the british are, are still a long way from getting uh, a handle on the situation in in cork there they're starting to to make inroads elsewhere but as far as cork is concerned cork is still very, very active in the summer of 1921. Notwithstanding the deployment of enormous numbers of troops, notwithstanding the recruitment of the the Black and Tans, notwithstanding the efforts of the of the uh, Auxiliaries, uh, what happened in Blackpool on March the 20th, 1920, is as far as I know, the single most important reason why Cork experiences this sort of unprecedented and monumental explosion of violence.
1: And there we leave down the thread until the next time. I feel like I'm pausing a box set view (laughs) that I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm going to go through with it. There's so much more to come. There's McSweeney's death in October. There's the burning of Cork. The battle of
0: Kilmichael uh, in in West Cork. Mm -hmm. uh, And and any number of smaller operations. I I gave a talk in my local GA club in Douglas there uh, about two weeks ago. And I just looked at the the War of Independence in the Douglas Rochestown area. And there is, there is things happening almost on a daily basis by late 1920 and early 1921. And, and that wouldn't be necessarily an area that would be considered to be one of the hotspots. But, I mean, all of Cork, whether you're talking about the Cork Number no. 1 Brigade, which is the city in sort of East Cork, the Number no. 2 Brigade, which is uh, up in the north, or Cork Number no. 3 Brigade out in, in West Cork, they're, they're all phenomenally active. And, and all three of them, I think, are are inspired to doing what they're doing, at least in part. Uh, by a determination to avenge the death of Thomas McCartan. And
1: there we'll take it up next time around. Gabriel Doherty, UCC, thank you so much for joining me on You're more than welcome. this Cork History Matters podcast, episode one. Thank you so much.
0: <laughs> You've been listening to a Red FM podcast. For more extra content, go to redextra.ie.